And, and that's where we've picked up here. So in verse 2, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, that's the Jewish believers, criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Uh, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Notice that, that Peter, by the way, is he's not defending himself. He's just saying, let me, let me just tell you what happened. Let me give you an account of what happened so you can see and, and judge for yourself uh, what took place. Verse 6, looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Uh, And so just briefly... um, if you didn't hear last week's sermon, uh, look for it online because I really believe that last week's message is very, very, very important to us as followers of Christ. OK, and so listen through that. But this is just really it's a review of last week. He's just retelling everything that we talked about last week. And so he goes back to the Jerusalem church and 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 they're like, what'd you go there for? Like, what'd you do that for? And 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 they're pretty irked about the whole thing and 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 peter doesn't defend himself he just says let me let me tell you what happened and and then you 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 listen and in the process you notice he said hey these six people came with me and they can attest to everything that that i'm telling you and and i love at the very end of it he doesn't he doesn't really leave them any space because what he says um, when he quotes Christ, he says, I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so really the, the church in Jerusalem has to look at that and say, OK, that's that's what Jesus said would happen when the Holy Spirit came that, and, and people were saved. They're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what that's what happened in, in the Gentile church here. And so. I love the response in verse 18 where, where in the midst of all of this, where Peter comes and there's, they're, they're confronting him and confrontational with that and, and, and probably pretty frustrated about this whole thing. Why would you go to the Gentiles to tell them about Christ? And their response in verse 18, when they heard these things, they heard the testimony about what happened, what God had done in the midst of these people, how he had turned them and changed them, um, they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You know, imagine how huge of a statement that was for the leaders of the Jewish council or the Jewish church to say that. 
that's a big statement for them. And, and, and how glorifying to God for them to just accept and say, okay, God was right. Jesus was right then it's to go to all nations and, and, and for them to just glorify God and say, okay, and to rejoice in that. And really, I love that because it, it gives us such a good picture of how we should respond as the kingdom is advanced in the world. Whether it's here or whether we hear a story about the kingdom being advanced somewhere else, when we hear that the kingdom of God is advanced, whether it's to a group of people that we don't like very much or, or to a group of people that we wouldn't go to or, or to any, whatever it is, our response should be like the Jerusalem church where our response is we glorify God and we're glad in our hearts because the kingdom of God is being advanced through the name of Jesus Christ. And, and just incredible to see that response um, here as they um, not just accept it, but glorify god through their response in that verse 19 um, it says now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over stephen traveled as far as phoenicia and cyprus and antioch speaking the word to no one except jews but there were some of them men of cyprus and cyrene who on coming to antioch spoke to the hellenists also preaching the lord jesus And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, He brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I want to pray um, just over this passage and and uh, and really over our hearts as we go into this part of the the text this morning. Just that God would really open our hearts to who he is and his word. and He would speak to us through it. Father, thank you so much for your word that you have spoken through men and had them write it down so that we can see the words of God so that we can learn so that we can be changed so that we can know you God so that we can worship you so that we can know the way to salvation through Jesus Christ we are rich because you've given us your word and Lord I pray that today you would open our hearts that your spirit would speak and move and fill us. And God, that you would change us by your words. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this section, um, it starts and it, and it takes us back to something that happened a few chapters back. Do you remember uh, at the beginning of chapter 8, right after Stephen has been killed, he's been stoned to death, Um, Right after that, in in the beginning of chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching. Um, Right before that, it talked about Saul and how he was ravaging the church and and going from house to house and arresting men and women and committing them to prison because of their faith and their belief in Jesus Christ. Well, the church is scattered at that point. And as we're kind of picking that back up uh, at this part of chapter 11 and starting with verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So we have this group that's been scattered 
scattered that's that's fleeing this area of persecution and they go to these three areas and it says that they only spoke the gospel to jewish people now that's interesting right but is that is that a problem is there something wrong with them just doing that i mean should we look at that and say that's not fair or is that bad or or is there is it wrong that they only spoke to jewish people probably not um realize that remember we referred back to when this is referring to which is a couple chapters before they didn't know that uh what had happened in in the house of cornelius they didn't realize that the holy spirit had come and 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 that the gentiles are now being saved through the gospel of jesus christ the holy spirit's coming on them just like it did in jerusalem at the beginning so they don't know that um and and so everything that they know is is what they've been taught to this point and to them it's still man we take the gospel to the jewish people that's what uh god has come to to bring the gospel and the truth to he's the messiah and so he's coming to 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 bring truth and 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 all of that to the jewish people and so they're just doing what they know and and really if you think about that too we kind of do that today in a sense too i mean some of some of you may be called uh to go to a certain place in the world at some point in your life right uh, there's some of you here that have a heart for different people groups, right? Uh, a certain people group that, that your heart, you're just like, man, God has, God has given me a sensitivity and a heart for those people. And so in a sense, we even sometimes do that today. And, and really, it's, it's just out of a lack of their knowledge of not knowing, man, the Holy Spirit has come. The church is, is, is advancing in the Gentiles as well. And so this group is, is going and, and speaking to the Jews, but in verse 20, it says, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. So here's this group um, that comes to Antioch and, and, and they preach to the Gentiles or to the Greeks uh, in Antioch and, and, and present and preach the Lord Jesus Christ to them. And, and just to let you know a little bit about Antioch at that time uh, was a major metropolis. It was known for culture and commerce and, and at the same time was this vile place of pagan worship. Okay, And so this group comes to Antioch and they begin to preach Jesus Christ to these Greeks that are there. And I think it's important for us to know kind of the context of what they're going into and the kind of place that they're going into. Um, because I feel like sometimes as we, as we look at the New Testament, as we look at the book of Acts, as we read through it, I think we're tempted to think that it was easy for the gospel to be advanced. Like they just went from city to city and like people just went to church. That's just what they did. It just happened. And, and really that's not the case. As they went into Antioch, it wasn't that Antioch was this like Amish place or somewhere that just people just didn't have anything else, but they just gave their lives already to, to serve this God. And so just tell us more and tell us. It wasn't that at all. They were, they were worshiping pagan idols. They, it wasn't people that were like, this is a conservative place in Antioch. And so just come and tell us and, and we're going to believe whatever you tell us about Jesus Christ. It wasn't that at all. It was a it was a place of of culture and commerce, which reminds me of of another place I know. And and, and it was a place of difficulty because people were giving themselves to to worship of so many other things. And so these people come in and it's not some I, I just don't want us to lose sight of the fact that it wasn't different then for for these people to go into Antioch. It wasn't like it was like the people in Antioch were just saying, come and, and tell us the story about Jesus Christ. And it was tough. 
It was probably tough to go into a place of, of pagan worship and, and idolatry and all of those things where, where people are distracted by culture and people are distracted by commerce and people are distracted by stuff and people are distracted by all those things to go in the midst of a city like that and say, Jesus is king. Jesus came and he died so that you could have forgiveness of sins. It was probably tough to do that too, and they still did it. And what I love about Acts chapter 8, verse 4, and, 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 and here in Acts chapter 11, is you just notice that here's the people that are fleeing. These aren't people that, that had these, like they were the, the apostles, or they were special people who, they're the people who fled the persecution. And in Acts chapter four, 8, verse 4, and in Acts chapter 11, what we see is they just keep going from place to place. And even though they're fleeing this persecution, they're fleeing being put to death for the name of Christ, they don't keep quiet about him. They just they go into a city, and what do they do as soon as they get to the city? They start preaching Jesus Christ. They start preaching Jesus Christ. And, and these people camp out in Antioch, and they preach Jesus Christ. Verse uh, 21 I love this passage. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. I love this passage. This has been good for me as a church planner. This has been good for me as a follower of Christ, just looking at this passage and how the church happened in Antioch. As they went into Antioch and they preached the gospel, was there something special about these people? No. Uh, did they have this incredible evangelistic strategy that when they got into Antioch, they're just, man, we're, we'll do this, then A, and then B, and then C, and then D, and then the church doors will open and people will just flood in? Was that it? No. Did they have a special gift of evangelism where, where they just went and it just didn't matter who they talked to, just people believed? No. What was it? What was it that brought so many people to turn from their sins and to follow Christ? It was the hand of the Lord. There was nothing different about them. There was nothing special about them. They're just obeying Christ. They're just going and obeying Christ. And it says the hand of the Lord was on them and the kingdom was advanced. People believed and turned from their sins and followed God. It's incredible. And, and, and really that, that challenges me and encourages me because as a follower of Christ and one who, who wants to obey what Christ has told me to do, Sometimes we're tempted, right? Sometimes, sometimes some of you may just say, I've, I've tried to tell people about Jesus. I've tried to just go into a new place and tell people about Jesus. And when I did, they were offended. They got mad at me. The, the relationship was broken off, whatever it was. Or, or maybe, man, sometimes I feel like I, 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 I tell people about Jesus. Almost every time I feel like they ask me questions I don't know the answer to. And, and, and so I just, I don't. I don't do it because if I don't have the right answers, I feel like it's, guys, it's not that. It has nothing to do with that. It's the hand of the Lord. For, for the church in Antioch, it was these just the people who follow Christ went into the city of Antioch and they, and they preached Jesus Christ. They, they preached that Christ came, that he died, that he was resurrected and all of it so that your and my and their sins could be washed away. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And because the hand of the Lord was with them, some believed. And, and in my life, as I've, as I've looked through that passage, as I've prayed through that passage, I just I want to live like that because I don't know what the results are going to be. They didn't know what the results were going to be. Uh, certainly, they didn't know. God hadn't promised them anything. He didn't promise them, go to Antioch and preach the gospel. 
And so many people are going to come to know the Lord. The church is going to be incredible. And the church in Antioch is going to be amazing. So you go do it, and you're going to have fruit and results like you wouldn't. He didn't promise them that. They knew that he didn't always promise that if you preach the gospel, then great things are going to happen because they're on the run. They're fleeing because they know the bad things that happen when you preach the gospel. They know that preaching the gospel can get you killed. They know that preaching the gospel can get you arrested. And they're fleeing because of that. And they're just obeying Christ. And in this circumstance, this time, they preach the gospel and the hand of the Lord is on them. And people come to know Christ. As I've thought through that, I just thought, wouldn't I rather just keep telling and 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 keep telling people the good good news about christ that one day maybe the hand of the lord would be on it and people would repent and surrender their life to christ wouldn't you rather that i mean wouldn't you rather go through life and yeah it's fearful sometimes and it's it's scary sometimes and 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 all the time it's scary it's hard it's difficult and and to go up and tell this person and and finally just step out and say it jesus okay and like and to get that conversation going or whatever it is it's hard and and a lot of times and jesus said this would be the case a lot of times there's rejection because what jesus said is the road is narrow that leads to life but the road that leads to destruction is wide and many people find that he said that and so we know that there's gonna be a lot of rejection but wouldn't it be worth all of it all of the rejection, all of the bad, all the scary, all the fearful, all of that, to just go through life and say, I'm just going to obey you, Lord. And wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm going to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that your hand will be on me. And when your hand is on me and people turn and repent, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. It'll, the joy, and, and you think of the Jerusalem church there, and, 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 and as they see what happened in, in, in the Gentiles, and, and there was joy and gladness, and, and that's what will happen in our hearts. And it's just as I looked through that, I just thought, you know what? I would rather just keep going and asking and asking and telling and loving and doing what Christ has called me to do and if there's rejection after rejection after rejection, 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 okay. But if the Lord chose to put his hand on me in circumstances and people repent and they come to know Christ, it's worth it. And there's joy and gladness and, and all of that in the midst of it. It goes on and, and it says, um, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. That's, that's salvation. When people genuinely believe when they believe in their heart they turn to the lord there's a illustration i heard i think it actually came from um john MacArthur. but um if my kid is going somewhere if my if my son alden is doing something or going in a different direction and i call him to come to me like christ calls us to come to him if i call alden to come to me he has to turn away from what he's going towards to come to me it's just just a natural thing i mean he can't come to me unless he turns away from what he's going to And that's exactly what believing in Jesus Christ causes us to do. When we respond to Jesus, when when this church responds to Jesus and comes to Christ to believe in him for salvation, they turn. That's a natural response. And when we say in our hearts, when we say with our mouth, we believe in Christ, our response is repentance. 
Our response is we, we come and we submit ourselves to God. We turn from what we were doing, from what we were investing our lives in, from what we were um, struggling, whatever the sins were that we were just embracing. We turn from those and we choose Christ instead. And we say, I'm submitting to you instead of that. I'm turning away from that. I'm repenting, turning from that. My belief is you. And so I'm going to follow you with everything I have. That's what we see in the church here in Antioch. And it says in verse 22, it says, The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So again, Jerusalem church hears about this happening in Antioch. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now remember about Barnabas. Remember Barnabas is the guy we, we learned about in, in Acts chapter 4. He is, his name is Joseph, remember? And he's the one that it said the disciples would call him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, which I love that. His name's Joseph, and there's just something about this guy where the, the, the apostles are like, we're, we're calling you Barnabas because that's what you are. You're a son of encouragement. You're, just, you're encouraging, you're edifying, you, you, you love people, and so that's your name from now on. We're going to call you Barnabas. And, and that's who, who this guy is that they send to the church in Antioch. In verse 22 there, uh, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, verse 23, and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So Barnabas comes to Antioch. And he sees what God is doing there. And he sees how God is moving in, 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 in the church in Antioch. And he's glad. He sees the grace of God. He sees salvation. He sees um, what people, uh, how people have turned from their sins. And this is in a city where, again, where they're, they're worshiping idols. And he sees what's going on in the church and the grace of God that's transforming lives. And there's gladness. And I don't know if you noticed, but that's a theme in the book of Acts. As we see people come to know Christ, and, and, and you've probably experienced this, but as you see people surrender their lives and give their lives to Christ, there should be, and there is, and we see that gladness that wells up in our hearts, that wells up in our soul, like no gladness that we can find in any thing. It's, just a, it's an amazing thing to see the grace of God at work. It's an amazing thing to see the hand of the Lord at work in people's lives. And when he takes a life that's completely against him and does things to transform that life and turn it around, there's gladness that just wells up in our hearts. And I love this about Barnabas because he didn't know those people. He didn't know any of them. He just comes. He didn't know anything about them before that day. But he comes and he sees the city. He sees what's going on in the city. And he sees the grace of God in this church where people have surrendered and turned to Christ. And he's glad. It's just rejoicing and his gladness in his heart from it. It goes on in it. And he encourages them. It says um, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He exhorted all, he, you know, I would imagine he gets up in front of the church, talks to the church, and, he's, and he exhorts them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So here's Barnabas. He's encouraged. He gets up in front of the church. And this is, this is the encouragement. That word exhort means to encourage or to urge. Um, that's what exhort means. And so he urges or he encourages all of the people there to remain faithful 
to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That's that word steadfast is unwavering, right? It's like this uh, unwavering purpose. I'm not going to be distracted by what I was distracted in this, in this cultural place. I, I'm not going to be stra- distracted by the stuff that I used to be distracted by. I'm not going to be distracted by those things I, with steadfast, unwavering purpose. I'm going to remain faithful to the Lord. That's, that's Barnabas's message to the people at the church in Antioch. And I love that because I want you to notice the next phrase, okay? It says, um, Barnabas comes and, and he's glad in his heart and he exhorts them, he encourages them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast, unwavering purpose for he was a good man. For he was a good man. Now, that's just a simple statement in there, but it stopped me this week. And as I prayed through this passage, I looked through this passage, I just thought, man, that, that word for means because, right? And so as you look at the passage, what it's saying is, Barnabas is glad, and he exhorts, he encourages them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He encourages them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He encourages them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. As I looked through that and I prayed through that and, I, and, and as I just studied this passage, I thought, that's what good men do. That's what good men do. I, we have a lot of definitions for a good... I, we throw that around, right? That guy's a good guy. That guy's a good person. That guy's a good man. That, it doesn't come up a lot in Scripture. That, that phrase doesn't come up a lot in Scripture. You don't, you don't go through Scripture and see over and over that he was a good man and he was a good man. And he, you don't see that a lot. And hear about Barnabas that says he did this because he was a good man. You know, I asked um, someone to go around today and, and just get comments from you guys, okay? Um, and, and what is a good man? Uh, and, and so I'm going to read some of those. I'm, I don't have names of who wrote them, so I don't know. But um, I'll see you afterwards, all right? Uh, a good man is, is someone who's responsible and takes care of his family. It's good. A good man is someone who is strong and bold, but can also be soft and caring. The woman wrote that. Uh, a good man, if you wrote that, I totally apologize if you're not a woman. Uh, a good man treat <clears throat> the soft and caring part. Just can't get okay. A good man treats women equally and treats fellow men with respect. It's good. A good man is humble. A good man spends his life serving, investing, and advancing his cause, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ. Love this one. A good man is Jesus. We have so many definitions, right, of a good man. We have so many ideas of what is a good man. What, is a, what does a good man do? What, is he, what are the characteristics of a good man? Some of you wives may think that your husband is a good man. Some of you. Um, what is a good man? I, honestly, as I look at this passage, I think this is the definition. As I, as I looked at this passage, I really came away and I, and I actually wrote down for myself, this is what I want my epitaph to say. And this is what I want it to mean. Tony Hall, and, and I want it to be sincere, okay? I'm not telling that to Shauna right now so she can make a note of it and write it down. No matter what, uh, this is what I want. Um, no, but I want this to be able to be said about me. 
Tony Hall was a good man, and this is what I want it to mean, because he exhorted people, he encouraged people, he urged people to stay faithful, to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. That's the definition of a good man. That's what a good man does. Now, I try to challenge that too, okay? Because some of you, I'm not saying that you're all wrong here. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I really do think that we can go through a lot of qualifications and say, can we say this is false? Can we say that a good man doesn't do this? And really, if our highest purpose is to glorify God, I don't think we can. I don't think that we can. And I'm not qualifying myself as that yet. I want that to be what I'm saying or what other people are saying about myself, about me. It's good grammar. I want that to be what people are able to say about me. There you go. But I don't think we can disqualify it because a person is um, just a loving husband. Or I don't think we can disqualify this just because, well, that person is a loving husband. He's not that, but he's a loving husband, so he's a good... Listen, if we look spiritually, as we, if we look through the eyes of God, if we look biblically at what does a good man do then a good man is going to do the most loving thing that a man could possibly do and the most loving thing that a person can do is to turn someone else's eyes towards god the most loving thing the most uh, the most greatest way for you to show love to any person is for them to see through you what god is like that's the most loving thing you can do there's nothing nothing more loving than that and barnabas was a good man and so because he was a good man he encouraged them to remain faithful to the lord with unwavering purpose don't let anything distract you just can you imagine don't you want to be that person I mean, don't you want to be that person? And men, you know, it says here he was a good man. So we're going to stay with that. Men, husbands, single guys, whatever it is, okay? Isn't that what you would want to be as a follower of Christ? That whatever relationship you have with other believers, that you would just, your relationship with them is, my goal in this is to encourage this person to remain faithful. Whatever we talk about, whatever we discuss, whatever issues this person's facing, whatever problems they're facing, my goal is to point them to Christ. My goal is to encourage, to urge, to, to, to edify, to, to strengthen them so that they remain faithful to God with steadfast purpose. Man, that's what I want to be like. Barnabas was a good man, and he encouraged them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Second part of that is, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Man, don't leave here and think that we can separate those things. We can't. If if you heard that and you're like, man, that actually sounds pretty good. I would like that. I'm going to adopt a new strategy. I'm going to come out of here and I am going to encourage people this way from now on. This is my goal. This is my. We can't do that without being full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And if we try to do it apart from that, it's not going to turn people towards Christ. It's not going to cause them to want to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. The reason that he was able to do that 
was because he was faithful to God, because he was full of faith and because he was full of the Holy Spirit. That's what launches us in that. That's what gives us power to do that. You think of Galatians, where, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? We've talked about this so many times, right? But it's truth. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruit that's in our lives is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, and, and those are the things that will cause us, right? If those things are flowing out of us, if I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I'm full of faith in God, those things, those fruit that come out of my life, man, are going to help me and empower me and, and use me in the, in the process of edification, encouraging other people to remain faithful to the Lord. We're going to see it in me, right? Man, if I'm, if I'm sitting across from Michael and my goal with Michael is I'm going to encourage this guy to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose... But he knows. <laughs> what about you, Tony? You're not remaining faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I know the things that are going on in your life. It's going to be meaningless. It's going to be counterproductive. And so I have to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. It's, the, it's, it's those things that empower me to encourage others to do those things. It goes on in... Uh, Verse 24, the second half of verse 24. This is, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So even more, as, as, as the gospel is presented in Antioch, and, and, and the hand of the Lord is with him, and a great many people believe, the church has started, Barnabas comes, he encourages them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, and through that, even more people are added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Barnabas sees this happen and he takes off to find Saul in Tarsus. He finds him, brings Saul back. And for a year, the two of them, Barnabas and Saul, are teaching the church. Imagine that. Like imagine like just having Saul and Barnabas come up and, and for a year, we're, we're your teachers now. Barnabas and Saul, we're going to teach you for a year. Imagine the fruit of that in the church in Antioch and just these two men full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, just pouring into this church in Antioch. And, and, and just a beautiful picture. And we'll see more of what God's doing through that. But I want to remind you again of that last line in the passage. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now I'm going to, I talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. And I and I um, I built it up in a way I may have to take it back, okay? Because I studied it some more this week, and that that phrase actually um, from some of the sources that I studied has a negative connotation. It's not that people looked at the church and said, "Man, they look like Christ. Let's call them Christians." Uh, it was actually um, something that they said to mock them. It was something they said against them. It was something they said um, in a demeaning way when they called them christians and that did so much more for me in that um that did so much more for the meaning of that for me and 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 i've looked at that before and i thought man like that's pretty cool i mean that's pretty cool that they looked at them they looked so much like christ they called them christians but they looked so much like christ and they were reviled they were mocked they were just like christ was they were mocked with the name Christian. 
and the kingdom is still advanced. It wasn't easy to follow Christ in Antioch. It wasn't easy for the kingdom to be advanced or, or for people to go and tell others about Christ in Antioch. But they did it. They did it. And the only thing I can figure out is that, that, that the reason they did it was because God was more important to them than the stuff there in Antioch. God was more important to them than the idol worship in Antioch. God was more important to them than the commerce in Antioch or, or in the cult, than the culture in Antioch. God was more to them than all of the other stuff. And so they obeyed him. And they did what he said. And in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of taking on a name of revilement, a name of, 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 of verbal persecution, they did it. And they kept moving forward and telling and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this church is planted and growing and expanding. And it is beautiful because the hand of the Lord was on these men. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your kingdom has not stopped. That this is not a a story that is unique. This is not a story that we look at and, and just think, man, I wish God did that. Your kingdom is advancing and it will never fail. It will never stop. And Lord, I pray, I pray that you would put a longing in our hearts for you so much that we would desire to be a part of this spreading of your kingdom. That we would desire to be a part of those times when when your hand is on us and as the gospel is presented and and Christ is 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 talked about and shared with other people and And the love that you put in us is given to others. And they understand and they believe that we would rejoice. That for some reason, you have allowed us to play a part in what you are doing among the nations. God, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the reminder that it's your hand and not our own. It's your hand that has power and and turns people's hearts to you. And you use these men as instruments in that, God. We praise you for that. And Lord, we thank you for the example of Barnabas, who was a good man. And I pray for every one of us, men and women, Lord, that you would allow us to be good men and good women. And that the fruit of that and what that would look like are people urge and encourage others to remain faithful to you lord with steadfast purpose and that our hearts and our minds and our lives would not be wrapped up with ourselves, but with you lord that our purposes would be you that our relationships would be about you lord i pray for that god i pray that your spirit would do that in us that just like in barnabas lord that you would fill us with your holy spirit that you would fill us with faith God, we love you. We praise you. We want to we wanna be your children who obey your voice. Who obey your commands. I pray that you would stir in us right now, God. For some of us, that means conviction. For some of us, that means um, just empowering us to do what we've been afraid to do. And God, I pray for that. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for how your hand is moving in our midst, God. 
This is not a distant thing, Lord. You are saving people here in Columbus, Ohio. You are using people in Columbus, Ohio to advance your kingdom. God, let it be us. Let it be me. Would your hand be on us as we go this morning? And would you advance the kingdom for your glory and your honor and your fame? And would you use us in Jesus' name? Amen.